Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. Well, we want to honor dads today, whatever kind of dad you are. Uh, you know, I mean, we have uh, uh, biological dads, surrogate dads, foster dads, stepdads, unofficial dads, official dads, absentee dads, part-time dads, incarcerated dads, and otherwise, those that are here, happy Father's Day, amen? And I'm going to talk today about some principles, and just because you're not a dad, you can't zone out. Because this principle I'm going to share with you today, one principle that will change your life and change even your boss if you learn to utilize this. But also, as we first start off, I, I want to share you just, my, my heart's been broken now for several months as I've been preparing this teaching for a long time. And like I say, I don't want to, I don't want to come across condemnatory to dads, but I also want to come back with some realistic statistics of where we are in the United States of America. One-third of children born in America now are born out of wedlock. One-third. One-third. One-half of all kids in America today, in America, on Father's Day, are raised, being raised without a father in the house. One half. So can you imagine what the next generation is going to be like when they've seen no level of commitment, no level of follow-through? I told Tim that breaks my heart, but then I thought again, maybe they'll lead a revolution and say, I don't want to be like my parents. I want to be somebody that has roots and commitment and, and be and do what is right. 25 million kids are fatherless on Father's Day. I, the only thing I can think of worse than not having a father in the home is having a father that's l having a bad role model and not leading people towards Jesus, but leading kids away from Jesus. We need to see godly dads raising godly kids. Next Sunday is going to be Mission Sunday. We're going to talk to you about the various missions that we sponsor locally, nationally, globally. And one of the missions that we sponsor locally is a mission that goes into high schools and helps parents, helps families develop stronger families relationship. And you're going to hear about that next week. And so I just want to say don't miss next week. We have a visiting millennial band that's going to lead worship next week. For all of us old people, that means it's just a band that's younger than us. So, all right, so it's good. But I know there's more than being a, being a man than just being a male. You can be male and not be a real man. You can be married and not be a husband. You can be a breeder of kids and not a father. You see, lust gives a condom, at least it should, but love offers a ring. There's more to being a man than having a zipper on your pants. But we need to see, okay, what does that mean? How, how do we make that? Now listen, ladies, I know you have a tough time understanding men, right? Not half as hard as we have understanding you. <laughs> right, guys? But to start off, to just build a bridge, let me say to you ladies, let me help you understand men. When your husband or when a man says, it would take too long to explain, darling, what he means is I have no idea how it works. 
When he says to you, take a break, honey, you're working too hard. He's just simply saying, I can't hear the game over the vacuum. Would you please stop? <laughs> when he says, well, it's a guy thing. What he's saying is, I have no rational thought pattern connected with this. <laughs> when he says, sure, honey, yes, dear, it means absolutely nothing. It's just a conditional response, right? <laughs> when he says, I heard you, he's saying, I haven't the foggiest idea of what you just said. And I'm hoping desperately that I can fake it well enough so that you won't spend the next three days yelling at me because I didn't do it right, all right? Well, we just help you out there, okay? And someone said it takes a village to raise a kid, but it takes all of us to produce great dads. The burden to be a great dad today just doesn't rest on dads. We all have a part to play to raise great dads and to produce great dads. So today I'm going to talk about two things. I'm going to divide this teaching up in two parts. First of all is do what only you can do. Everybody's got something today that can help develop great dads. And second of all, do what only dads can do. So let's look at the first one. Do what only you can do. And here it is. Do what only you can do. Say it with me. Do what only you can do. Look at your neighbor and say, do what only you can do. And here's the answer. Here's the fill-in. Here it is. Are you ready? Show honor. Show honor. In Mark chapter 6, beginning at, um, at verse 1 through 5, Jesus left the part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters are right here among us. And they were deeply, look at this, underline this, they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. In other words, they're saying, well, we can't receive this gift. We can't receive this gift from God because we, we know him. He was, he was raised right here with us. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored. Would you underline that word honored? A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, look at this, he, Jesus, couldn't do any miracles except to place his hand on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Look at this. The Son of God could do no miracle simply because there was no honor given to him because they were too familiar with him, because they didn't receive it. That word honor in Greek is the word, it looks like time, but it's the word time. Say time. So you came to church today, you had a chance to win a gift certificate. At the end of the service, we're going to give you something else. We're going to give some pops for pops. And also you learn a Greek word, time. It means to value, to respect, to value, to respect, to treat as precious, weighty, or valuable, to treat as, as something that, that's valuable. Let me, let me give you an example. In our home, we have, uh, Anita has this prized possession, and uh, it's a football. And it's, uh, it has two famous autographs on it of a legendary coach 
and a legendary quarterback. Now, we had a lot of footballs in our house as our grandkids came that we would go out and Anita would throw with them, we'd throw with them. But I guarantee you, nobody ever threw this football. She put this in a case. It's on a high shelf where little munchkins can't grab it. It's up there, and it's there. Why? Because there is value to Anita for this. Now, I value this because she values this, all right? I mean, the signatures are all right, but, you know, what a signature is a signature, all right? But because it's value to her, it's value to me. And we would never use this to play in the mud or to throw around. And, and that's the difference in having just a common football that you throw around, you know, get muddy, do all, and this one that is very valuable. That's what value is. But you see, if, if I see you, here, here's what happens in families and marriages. If you get so used to your husband or your father, you no longer honor them and value them, but they just like, you know, they hang around a lot, and you, and you no longer talk about how good they are or how wonderful they are. You see, the opposite of honor is dishonor, and that means to treat as common or ordinary. If you want a common, ordinary marriage, just dishonor your spouse. If you want a common, ordinary life, just dishonor people in your life. Look back at this Mark chapter 6. I mean, I just, I can't get over this. Jesus was not able to do any miracle because they didn't receive him as God's gift into their life. If you don't receive your husband, your father, as God's gift into your life, I didn't say they were perfect. They were perfect. They were God's perfect gift to you. Not perfect. But if you don't receive them as they are, God's gift to my life, now, then you hinder them from being who God would love for them to be, and you spend the rest of your life saying, well, I wish they were like this, or I wish they were like that, or I wish they were like something else. But do you understand the concept? If you've treated them as ordinary and common and devalued, then you can never receive them as God's gift to you. But if you wake up every morning, even with that, you know, I know, ladies, at least in the morning when you wake up, we have the hope that you'll put on some makeup and look better. But every morning that you roll over and that husband is there and it's foul breath, uh, you know, that's about as good as it gets, all right? I mean, he might brush his teeth, and, and I'm sorry about that. But when you roll over in the morning and see your husband, a husband, right, let's keep it in order, all right? We're in a world today that's producing a lot of kids that are not in wedlock simply because people are out of order and they're living with someone in a relationship as marriage and they're not married. Listen, if somebody will that do that to you, why wouldn't they do that to somebody else? You better be sure you get a ring on it, get a ring on it pretty quick or you're going to miss having God's blessings in your life. So you wake up in the morning, you look over and there he is, you just say, Oh, you know what? You're God's perfect gift to me today. And I receive you. I receive you. I know you're not perfect, but I receive you. And when you do that, here's, listen to me. You think it's funny, and it seems humorous. But when you do that, you release something in the heavenlies. You release something in their identity that they can begin to be who God created them to be in your life. Now, ladies, I, I, I tried to help you to understand men but it's only fair since it's Father's Day, and I'm a father, that I say to you ladies, we're confused. 
We just don't understand sometimes. I mean, like, do you want us to be tough or do you want us to be sensitive? So they, so, so you, see, you can't have it both. All right, come on, give me a, a break. So the problem is we don't know when we're supposed to be which. See, it's like, it's like you come to us with an issue, a problem. And we're problem solvers, right? Boom, we tell you how to fix it. And then you look at us and say, I didn't ask you to fix it. I just wanted you to listen. So we listen. And then 10 minutes later you say, well, say something. We are, we are confused, right, guys? We don't understand. I get all dressed up. I'm ready to go to church. And Anita says, are you going to wear that like that? No, I'm going to wear this out to the mailbox to get the mail and come back in, and I'll change, all right? Or if I, if I leave before she does, and, and, then, and then later, did you wear that all day? No, I changed on Highway 27 on the way coming home. Who, who saw you? We're, we're confused. I mean, I know some of you, you get up, and you're like a little kid. You know, the kids come in, and their underwear set on the bed, and you come in your underwear set on the bed because you know if it's going to match, and you look at the kid and say, in a minute, Mommy's going to come in and dress us, so we'll look good for today, right? <laughs> and then Anita comes out of the closet with two different colors of shoes on. Which shoes should I wear? She doesn't really want to know. She already knows. She just wants confirmation. So we think, I've got a 50-50 chance on this. No. I'm telling you, we're confused. I say, I, I like the black ones. <laughs> Why did I ask you? I don't like the black ones. These others are the ones that I want. So listen, if you're, if you're a mature dad or a young dad, I, I've, I've got the answer for you. So they, they come out of the closet. Which should I wear? Should I wear this top, this top? Should I wear these shoes? Just do this. Say, hmm. No. Up. No. No. And after a few minutes, after a few minutes, she'll just say, well, I like the black ones. That's what I thought, too. The black ones, I thought the ones you should wear right there. You say, is that lying? No. As soon as she thought it, I thought it, okay? So we get this together. We're confused. But good news, lady, men are like dogs. Give them a little praise and a treat now and then. And you can train them to be good dads, all right? The number one need of men is respect, honor. Now, I know you thought it was sex. They come in pretty close. Here's what bothers me. On women, when you do a survey, sex comes in at 13. Gardening comes in at 12. We're confused, aren't we? <laughs> Look at this verse, Ephesians 6, 2 and 3, from the message. Read it with me. Honor your father and mother is the first commandment that has a promise attached to it, namely, so you will live well and have a long life. Live well. So honor your husband. Esteem him. Honoring lifts up. Dishonoring tears down. To honor, you've got to believe the best in them. 
dishonor, you believe the worst in them. Let me give you a good example of what I'm talking about. Craig Grishel, a great pastor in Oklahoma, one of the pastors of one of the largest churches in America, multiple campuses. He and his wife were out with some friends that were having marital problems. And uh, their friend's wife just kept uh, uh, tearing down the husband, tearing him down, nitpicking, and just bantering back and forth. And Craig's wife finally said, you know what? The reason you don't have a great marriage is because you don't honor your husband. You keep tearing him down and tearing him down. And the woman came back, well, if I had a husband a tenth as good as Craig, then I would honor him. And Craig's wife shot right back, yeah, but it could be the reason Craig is such a great man is I spent years in honoring him and not tearing him down, and you tear down your husband and you think that he should be good. I'm telling you, honor builds up, honor builds up, honor builds up. It lifts up, it encourages. See, well, I just can't honor him because you don't know what he's like. Yes, you can. Write this down in your notes. Respect is earned. Honor is given. Respect is earned. Honor is given. We honor simply because the Lord told us to honor. Honor those that are over us, all right? Receive a person as God's gift for you. So ladies, guys, gals, kids, all of us, let's take some time to honor men and especially honor dads on a day like this. So let's go to the second part of this. Only what only dads can do. Do what only dads can do. And number one, that's simply set an example by honoring God. Say that with me. Set an example by honoring God. We say that we ask everybody to do what we can do today, and that's just to honor dads, to honor dads, and help them to be who God wants them to be. But then those of us that are dads today, we need to set an example by honoring God. Proverbs 20 and 7 says, Children are fortunate if they have a father who is honest and does what is does what is right so we lead by example follow me as i follow christ i'm not perfect but my heart is i want to follow christ i want to do whatever i can isaiah 29 and 13 says and so the lord says these people say they are mine read it with me they honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. Oh, yes, I love the Lord. Yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I love God. Yes, I, yes, I love you. Yes, I love... But their hearts... He says, but their hearts are far from me. Their hearts are... So how can you tell if a dad's heart is far from God? Well, I've been observing dads for a long time, and let me just share some things. And, and here's some things I think that honorable dads live in such a way that their family sees them. And here's the first one. Let your family hear you pray. Let your family hear you pray because what you model, you promote and reproduce. What you model, you reproduce. So what are you modeling? Do you run home, watch YouTube? Do you run home and, and doing something else? And this, or or do, does your family hear you actually pray? The prayer from the heart of a man right with God has much power. Here's another one. Let them see you read the Bible. Let them see you read the Bible. You say, well, yeah, but you know, I read the Bible on my iPhone. Yeah, but you, you miss. You see, it's when you read the Bible on your iPhone, and I'm not, a, I'm not all against that. I, I think you ought to have a real Bible. Uh, because a real Bible, you can underline, you can, make mar you can make notes in the margin, you can do all that, highlight things. And uh, 
Because one of these days, you might want to give that Bible that you've marked up with promises to one of your kids or your grandkids. What a legacy to leave them. A Bible that they've seen you read from. I've got a, I've got a Bible and, and uh, I've got it in, uh, saved. It's a, it's a red one that I've had a long time. It's one of the Spirit-filled study Bibles. And it's marked up with so many notes. Pages are falling out. There's highlights. There's sermons in it. There's things. And one of these days, I'll give that to one of my grandkids that's preaching the Word. And when they get that, they're going to see a promise that I've received. You see, I can't, I'm not going to leave them an iPhone. But I can leave them a Bible that says, here's promises that I've got. Here's something you can use. Here's something you can... How many of you would have loved to have your father to have left you, or maybe he did, a Bible with his notes all marked up in it that would give you a trail guide? Would you raise your hand? I'm going to tell you there's something about reading the Word. Your children will capture your passion. If your passion is you're, all you do is watching YouTube or watching this or watching something else or doing that, your kids are going to capture your passion. But for them to hear you pray, for them to hear, see you read the Bible, all of a sudden it matters, that book, and they catch that. And you show them how to live a godly life. Let them hear you say good words. Say good words. Ephesians 4 and 29. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. I, I probably should camp there for a while, but I better not. If you have a foul mouth at home, now you may control your mouth around us or around me. Every once in a while, I may slip out. Oh, I'm sorry, PT. Sorry, sorry. But if you have a constant foul mouth at home, that's going to come out in your kids. At a time, it's going to be the greatest embarrassing for you if they get kicked out of school or kicked out of camp or somewhere else because they're saying what they heard from you. It says here, say only what does what? Helps. Each word is a gift. What we speak to our children, they are drawn to. What we speak to our children, they are drawn to. If you speak to them, you're nothing, you'll never amount to anything, you're no good. Guess what? They're going to be drawn to that. They're going to be drawn to that. But if you say to him, you know what? You are, you are God's gift. You have God's favor on your life. You have destiny. You have purpose in your life. You can be all that God wants you to be. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. What are you saying over your kids? Every day when they get ready to leave, you need to lay hands on them and let them hear you pray. Maybe give them a scripture verse from the Bible that you actually read from and say to them, you know what? You're going out as a man of God. You're going out as a woman of God today and God's hand on you. And listen, listen, parents, just because your kids move out, they're not out from under Beneath your uh, influence, you still have influence, send them a text, send them a card, give them a call. Say, I just wanted to tell you today, I love you. Just wanted to tell you today, I believe in you. Though any, nobody else believes in you, just want you to know I believe in you. You say, man, I wish I'd have had a dad like that. Well, why don't you reverse the curse? Why don't you start saying, I'm going to go home today, and I'm going to speak life into my kids. I'm going to call my kids today, and I'm going to pour life into them. How many of you know ever heard of or seen or been around Babe Ruth eight of us today time warp 
How many would know this? Yeah, you want to go on YouTube and you can find it. World Series, Babe Ruth stood there, pointed, hit a home run. In his lifetime, it's, it's known that he signed about seven bats. The first bat that he signed was lost for a long time. It was given at a home run competition. The first one he signed was given to the one who won the home run competition of people that came and showed up for a, for a game. And it was lost for a long time. Um, and one of his, his agents gave that to the man who won the competition. The man took it home. He kept it in a, a very, very special place, just like Anita does with her football, because it had Babe Ruth's signature on it, man. I mean, wow. It's one of the first bats that was signed. And it was lost for a long time, but uh, back in 2006, it surfaced again. The story is told that the man who won that through the home run competition took the bat home, put it in a treasured position, place, talked about it often, and uh, on his deathbed when he was dying, he outlived his family, and he had a nurse that took care of him for years. And he said, I don't have a lot to give you, but I'm going to give you my most valued possession. I want to give you this bat signed by Babe Ruth. The woman said, I knew nothing about baseball. All I knew was that that was a valued possession of his. For 18 years, she took it home, put it underneath her bed, and kept it there, not knowing what it was worth. She got in a hard time in life, and she thought, I wonder if that bat has any value. She pulled it out. She took it to a local sports place, and when the guy looked at it, his eyes got big as saucers. He said, I think, he said, let me call some people in. And he called some experts in. And they said, ma'am, we think this bat is the first bat that was signed by Babe Ruth. And it's worth some bucks. That bat in 2006, calculate that, 2006, went to auction and it auctioned for $1.3 million. Wow. So she used that money to open up a restaurant, and she used the rest of the money to start a, uh, uh, a home to help kids that Babe Ruth wanted to help in the, in the latter years of his life. One newspaper reporter said, well, why would you use the money to start a foundation? She said, because I had no value. The value of that bat was in the signature of Babe Ruth. And so he wanted to help these kids. And I recognize the value of that bat is because his signature was on that bat. And I wanted to honor, those, honor him by helping those kids. And that's the only thing that I could do. I'm going to tell you today, listen to me. You know where I'm going with this. If you're a believer today, your value is Jesus Christ stamped on you. Jesus Christ is on your life. That's the value that you have today. And so why wouldn't you use that value to add value to other people? And I know on a day like this, some of us will look at and we hear this teaching and say, you know what, man, Terry, God spoke to me today. And you know, I haven't, I haven't really been valuing people. I'm very critical. I'm very negative. I pull people down. I'm always seeing what's wrong, what's not right, and, and I'm always doing that. And God spoke to me today that I need to be more honoring. I need to be more uplifting. I need to care more about people. And maybe some of you, that's a wife that's here today. And I mean, it's, and we, well, it's just sarcasm. That's how we do it in our marriage. No, it's not sarcasm. If the number one need of your husband is respect, 
And if you're always tearing him down, even in joking form, you don't realize, he's a man. He's not going to come to you like a little baby. You just hurt my feelings. Well, some men do. But anyway, you hurt my feelings, and maybe we should do that more often. Right? That's what my counselor tells me. You, you got to be honest about your feelings. But you see, the majority of men will never do that. They'll just laugh, ha ha, and they'll just give you one back. And you spent your whole marriage like that. And he's never been able to be who God made him to be. Not because he's not reading the Bible. Not because he's not praying like you pray. Well, if my husband would just pray like I, he's not going to pray like you. Forget it. You're a woman. You pray different, all right? His prayer may be 30 seconds of the morning of joining hands with you and say, Lord, help us today. If you don't help us, we're sunk. Is there anything wrong with that prayer? One of the first things in marriage counseling, when people come in, I'll simply say, do you pray together? No, she does all the praying. You know what that's like? That's like saying, I realize I'm in a, I'm in a battle, and I'm going to have my wife all dress up and go fight, and I'm going to stay home. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do, if somebody invaded our country, you wouldn't say to your wife, go get my shotgun, get out there and do a good job on it, Mabel. <laughs> then why would he do that spiritually? Why couldn't you take 30 seconds of the morning and say, I'm going to honor God by honoring you, and I'm going to just pray with you. Don't interrupt me, lady, with your fancy prayers, because you know she could. No, Lord, it's me, Terry. Yep, need your help. Can't do it without you. See you later. Amen. Say, has God hear a prayer like that? You better believe he hears a prayer like that. But I wonder how many times, because you always take the lead, ladies, that you don't receive anything because it's just like Jesus said, I can't do any miracle. I can't be the man that God wanted me to be. I can't be the father God wants me to be because you don't give me a chance. You're tearing me down. You dishonor me because of familiarity. You're offended. It said they were offended at him. We're offended because of things that have happened in the past. Let's pray. Father, I pray today that you'd help me to be more honoring to those that are over me. Help me to be more honoring to other men, to other dads. Help us to be honoring to our leaders of our country. I know respect has to be earned, but honor is given simply because of a position. And so, Lord, we just, we just, we just do what you said. We're going to do today what only we can do, and we're going to do today only what dads can do. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here today, and maybe you've never invited Jesus Christ into your heart and into your life. You say today, you know, I, I, uh, I really need his help because there's a void, there's a vacuum, vacuum, there's a vacuum in my life. Maybe you've made some mistakes as a man. Maybe, uh, maybe you're you're struggling with that today. You know that you're not who you. You say it with your mouth, you say it with your lips, but your heart is far away. But if you're here today and you say, you know what? I want to invite Jesus into my heart. I know he died on the cross. He died on the cross so he could put my name, his name on my life. And he could change my value from being worthless 
to be of value because he died for my sins. The enemy doesn't care about you. He just wants to destroy your life. But Jesus died on the cross so he could forgive you of your sins and come into your life. If that's you today, male or female, would you raise your hand and say, yeah, I want to pray that prayer today. I want to invite Jesus into my heart and into my life. I need him today. I need him today. This is the day that I want to invite the Lord into my heart and into my life. This is the day. And maybe you're watching online today and that's you. I'm going to lead us all in a prayer today. Let's pray this prayer together. Father God, thank you today for loving me, for caring for me. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to come into my life and to be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps will be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.